and we'll read this and then come back to it. Romans chapter 5, several verses of Scripture, beginning to read in verse 8. They sound very familiar, they sound very common, but I believe that God will help us to receive something of their importance tonight twice, once in verse 9 and once in verse 10. It talks about much more. How many are anxious for much more tonight? Hallelujah. Much more. That's the two words that the Lord has laid upon my heart to share with you tonight. Verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved by his life. Our Father, we ask that you would bless us tonight as we enjoy the bread from heaven, Oh, Jesus, you've promised that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And I pray that you would seek out every hungry heart. Lord, as your word sta states, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose hearts are made perfect toward him. I pray that you would find such people in our service tonight whose hearts are yearning after thee, whose hearts are hungering for much more of that which they've received from God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would leave this service with a new perspective, with a new challenge, with a new experience in God. I pray your blessing upon every person that's here tonight and upon your word. May we receive it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Back in Psalm, the 78th Psalm, there are some verses that disturbed me when I read through them. Three times in those verses, it says that Israel turned back. In the ninth verse of that Psalm, it said, and the children of Ephraim, and it's Significant that it was the children of Ephraim because Ephraim means fruitful, twice fruitful. Being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They were armed and carrying bows, they turned back in the day of battle. Verse 41 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 57 says, But turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers, they were turned aside like a deceitful bull. Israel was defeated. Three times it indicates that they were living a defeated existence. This psalm is thrilling in that it really reports the goodness of God. It shows the 
the care and concern and the power of God. And if you have it open to Psalm 78, it says that they kept not, verse 10, the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoran. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He had made the waters to stand as an heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink and out of that great depth. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused water to run down like rivers. It says, And they sin yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart, asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God with everything that God had done for them, yet they still murmured. They still complained. They still, they still with their heart and mouth, murmured against God and complained. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Their faithlessness, even after all they had seen and experienced. Can he provide, verse 20, can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. And I wonder how easily we can parallel our lives at times when we are frustrated in our Christian experience by defeat and by turning back in the day of battle, armed with all the promises and provisions of God, with a history and inheritance of God's faithfulness, never has he failed a person. And yet, sometimes we just continue a life of failure. And many times just picking ourselves up off the canvas to go back into the struggle again, to be defeated again, to get back up again and roll up our sleeves and, and begin to do again what we had done before and become so commonplace to us that we almost accept this kind of life as normal for the Christian experience. But I believe there's much more to be had in God. I said, I believe there's much more to be had in God. I want us as Christians to, to live in the place where we enjoy, not endure, but enjoy our salvation. So much so that the people whom we work with and walk with will look at us and ask a reason for the hope that lies within us. And we won't have to work so hard at what we do if what we are speaks as loud as it can. And my desire is that our lives would live in the life of Christ and let the world know that he is of a truth alive. And I'm sure that it's all bound up in the chorus we sung. It's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And we sing the chorus, there is no defeat in Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe that. Jesus Christ is victorious.
He rose from the dead, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Satan is a defeated foe. God has placed everything under his feet, and I'm glad that that person is living in my soul tonight. Praise God. We have gone through some, some training sessions from time to time on personal witnessing, and when we come down to the place where we're inviting that person to open their heart's door to ask Christ to come in, and we use Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, and he's standing at the door knocking. If any man will open, I will come in and sup with him. When they've opened their heart, we have instructed people to ask them, Did you open your heart to the Lord? Yes. Did you ask him to come in? Yes. Then where is he? In my heart. In my heart. And we believe that for salvation. But oh, if we could live that way in the knowledge that he lives in my life. If we could live in the full realization that Jesus Christ is alive in me. Except I'd be reprobate, he's alive in me. Jesus Christ is truly alive in me. That verse, the last verse where Israel turned back, said they turned back like a deceitful bow or a bow whose string is loose. And instead of making the arrow go plain, it makes the arrow go plop. Now, how many of us have had that kind of an experience? Our, our arrow just doesn't go very far kind of a powerlessness, a powerlessness that happens. And uh, I think we need to recognize that, that our life is in him. We sang the chorus, and I did it purposely. He is my what? Everything. He is my all. And I believe that sometimes we've been singing some of these choruses for a long time without ever really realizing what we're singing. And being able to live day to day with the knowledge and the assurance of what 1 John 4, 4 states, and who can quote it for me? Greater is what? Is he that is within me than he that is within this world. Where is he? When we realize the greatness of God, that our victory and our defense is not in our skill or in our studies, but it's in our Savior. It's in Jesus. He is the answer. He's the key to everything that is in the Word of God as an ought to or should. We cannot possibly live up to the ideal standards of the Word of God that are incumbent upon every Christian. It's impossible for me to do it. But I thank God that I can do all things through Christ who lives within me and who strengthens me. Now that's an old verse and I'm praying the Holy Spirit to, to make it real 
and alive and up to date so you can really grasp what the Lord has been stirring deep in my heart. Greater is he that is within me. So it's a person. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We received him as our Savior, and he is our light. He is our life. Now, this isn't new, but I'm emphasizing it as new tonight, so we grasp it. He that hath what? The Son hath what? Hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life. For that life is in his Son. The whole thing that we sing about and talk about and, and study about is Jesus living in us. Really, that's all. It's Christ's life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Or I can't do it. No matter how hard I try, no matter how white my knuckles get, no matter how, how far and firm I can set my jaw, I cannot do it. But if I yield and let Christ do the living out through me, it's no sweat at all. He can live. He will live. If I will let him live his life out through me. So I have who I need, what I need, when I need it. Because look at the tense of that verse. Greater what? Is he that is within me. Now that's present tense and I'm glad for that. Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Now I want you to look right now with, with me at Romans, those three verses that we read. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now there's the past tense of our salvation in that verse. Christ died for us. We shared somewhat on Thursday night with the fact that our salvation did not begin when we knelt at an altar. Our salvation dates back to Calvary because that's when Jesus died for us and took all of our sins upon himself. Hallelujah. And God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But strange as it may seem, this is as far as many people's experience goes. All they know is that Jesus died for me, I am saved, because Jesus died for me 2,000 years ago. That's the first point of our salvation. It's the historical part of our salvation. Thank God for it. I appreciate deeply the fact that Jesus was willing to become my substitute. My substitute. He died in my place. I read somewhere, I can't remember the name anymore, or the war. But there was a man who had had a large family, about six children, and he'd been called into service. It was wartime. But there was a young man who had not yet been called. And when he answered the, the, the invitation of the draft board, this young man stepped up and took his place, took his name, answered roll call for him, 
let this young man stay home with his family. He took basic training by his name. He went to battle in his name, and he died using this man's name. He was buried. Later on, the government found out what had happened and called this man to service. And he took it to court and said, but I don't have to go. I died. I died on certain such battle, on certain so field, and I refused to go. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they upheld the fact that this man had in truth died in, in the place of his friend. He was free to go back home to his family and live his life because he had indeed legally been killed and buried in his name. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. And sin has no power, no legal power over me anymore because I'm legally dead. Now that's the key. I am legally dead. I'm alive, but I'm legally dead to the world, to sin, and to the devil. He has no more power to put me in his service. Amen? Oh, I like that. I don't know about you, but he has no power to involve me anymore in his business. I am alive unto God, and I intend to serve him with all my heart. But I'm glad for that first historical fact of my salvation in the past tense. But there's much more than that. Verse 9 says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now what tense is there in that verse? Future tense. We shall be saved. There will be no white throne judgment for us. When we stand before him, we will be rewarded for the works that we have done in this body. We will be judged according to what we have done for the Lord and rewarded accordingly to what deeds we have performed in the body. Much more than, much more than just a historical fact, we as a church have a lively hope tonight. And that hope maketh not ashamed, that hope is an anchor for my soul. A robe of white, a crown of gold, harp a home, a mansion fair, a victor palm, a joy untold are on mine when I get there. Hallelujah. We live in the thrill and the joy of that future and eternal salvation. There's much more than just what he did for me. It's what he's doing for me. Amen? He went away to prepare a place for me. And if he goes and prepares a place for me, he will come again and receive me unto himself. And where he is, I may be also. But there's much more than that. And this is the critical point. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, if I were to ask you tonight when you came in the service, by what were you saved? I dare say 
Much of the people would have responded to me, Pastor, I believe I am saved because Jesus died for me. But this verse says, much more than I am reconciled to God by his what? I am saved not just by the death of Christ, I am saved by his life. Is there a contradiction? One verse, verse 8 says, I am saved by his his death, two verses down, says, much more than we're reconciled, being saved by his life. I like that verse. How are we saved by his life? Well, there's an amplified, and I like the amplified version. It states it this way. We are saved, we are daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life. We are saved, we are daily delivered from sin's dominion by his resurrection life. I don't know about you, but that does something for my soul. It's no longer I that liveth, but it's Christ that is alive in my soul. I am saved. I am daily delivered from sin's dominion by that one who is in me that's greater than he that's in the world. Now, if we can't put that into practice, it's just one fine scripture that we've committed to memory. But there must be a way that we can translate that scripture into personal, everyday practice to the place where we can fully realize and enjoy the fact that all of our struggle, all of our straining will not accomplish anything but again defeat. But if I can be made fully aware that Christ is alive in my heart every day, I can be delivered from sin's dominion, I can be kept free from sin, from its burden, from its guilt, from its penalty. Because he lives. You ask me how I know he lives, we sing it Easter time and it rings the rafters through. He lives within my heart. Praise his name. And from him spring forth all the good things that we need. Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So coming from us, there isn't anything that can make it. But the key is allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to live his life out through us. And then all the good and righteous and wonderful things that he is become visible and become real. Thank God for the past. He died for us. Thank God for the future. We've been reconciled to God. We've been saved from wrath. But praise the Lord for the present tense in our salvation. I thank God for the past, and I'm looking forward to the future, but it's right now in the nitty-gritty of every day that I really need some victory. I really need the victory. I really need to know how to live so as to let the world know that there is reality in God. 
And depending upon ourselves, we will be as Israel, we will turn back in the day of battle. They did not turn back because they were ill-prepared or because they had no armor, because they had no weapons. They were equipped with every weapon they need of offensive defense. Of every promise and assurance of God's presence, they had it all in that chapter. But three times said they turned back in defeat and failure. Why? Because they weren't trusting in the God for their salvation. For that present day's salvation. And this kind of life can only be lived a day at a time. Five minutes of victory at a time as we depend entirely and totally upon the Lord Jesus Christ. How does it work? Well, I've been trying to make it work. And it works. But you've got to break some old habits. Leaning not to the arm of flesh or leaning to your own understanding, but in all our ways, what? Acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Now that's the key. That's it laid out straight. Leaning not to your own understanding in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our path. Let's give some for instance. All right. I'm impatient in traffic. There's the natural, rebellious, and uh, <clears throat> you're not supposed to say nasty things about people even if you don't know them, and they can't hear you. But uh, when I get in a hurry and upset, and I know I've got a schedule to meet, and I've got to get there and back, and people are waiting on me, and uh, you get behind some individuals, it really... Tribulation worketh patience. Why? Because through it, the manifestation of the life of Jesus Christ can be produced. Hmm. So when whatever it is that is your problem, your thought life, whatever it is that you're struggling with and having difficulty with, we can have the mind of Christ. Why? He's alive in my heart. If we let him live, he'll think through us. He'll do his thinking. Your thinking. He'll direct your thoughts. And when we find ourselves impatient, myself impatient, I just say, now, Lord, I can't. I'm not a patient person. The flesh is impatient. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for being my patience. Thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord Jesus, I praise you for being my patience. I am not patient, but I praise you for being my patience. And you know, it works. I have to say it a while. And uh, at first I really had to say it. <clears throat> and uh, I, was, I would rather be impatient. And you can continue on that way if you'd rather be that way, but I'd rather change. And we sang the chorus, make me more like, oh, to be like thee, make me more like thee, Jesus. And I said before, don't ever try to be like Jesus. There can't be two Jesus. You'd make a poor imitation. 
There can only be one Jesus. Just let him be himself. And then that takes all the work out of it for me. I don't have to really do, try to be good and try to do this, try to, to be like the Lord. All I have to do is, in all my ways, acknowledge him and let him be himself. And he's wonderful, isn't he? He's tremendous. And so when you have those thoughts flooding into your mind, and they're not sin, temptation or not, is not sin, but you don't want them to stay there because the longer they're there, the worse they become, and they do become sin. Perhaps even when you're praying, the devil will come with fiery darts and will infect your mind with all sorts of things. Sure he does. But thank God, greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. You don't have to put up with that. You don't have to live with that. There's victory in Jesus. You can't conquer it by any manipulation of your thoughts or you can't you can meditate it out of the way. The more you try, the worse it gets. But if you say, Lord, I thank you that you are my peace, that you are my joy, that you are my patience, that you are my righteousness, and he becomes what, what you allow him to be. Hallelujah. He can do for you what you can't do for yourself. He's already taken up residence inside, so we might as well let him live there. Live his life. Out through us. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 There was one other verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, the Amplified Philippians 4.13. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. You like that? I like that. Let me read it again. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything, equal to anything, through him who infuses inner strength into me, that this, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Boy, that'll cure inferiority complex. Because that just stems from pride anyway. Forget about what people think about you. Just let the Lord live his life out through you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He lives. Jesus is alive in me. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. He will. But there must be commitment from our side. The Bible says that which is not of faith whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That includes all of our care, all of our worry, all of our anxiety. Those things which are not of faith are sinful. So we're to cast all those things on him.
Praise God, because he cares for us. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Make you hungry? Boy, does me. I've, I've been enjoying his word. And wherever I look, he's been just kind of pointing out more that I needed to know. And oh, sometimes, you know, those two words just seem to, to say it much more than. There's so much more than just the foundation of, thank you, Lord, I'm saved through the cross. But where there's so much more in the life of Jesus, we're celebrating Easter more than just the history of the fact that Jesus rose again, but we have been raised with him, hallelujah, to walk in newness of life. That's what Romans 6 says, isn't it? We're supposed to walk with a new, with a new life, with that life, the Lord Jesus Christ's life living within us. Father, we ask your blessing upon these few thoughts tonight. Jesus, continue to help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we recognize that these are building the walls, the superstructure of our experience in God. Let us go on. Jesus, let us go on to those areas that are much more Hallelujah. Thank you for the past. Thank you, Lord, for the tremendous and exciting future that is awaiting us. But, Lord, we need your help right now, today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need your help. We need the infilling of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Help us to so walk in the Spirit that we would not have desire to, to fulfill the desires of the flesh. But, oh, God, help us. When Satan attacks us, regardless from what angle he comes, we can just, hallelujah, let this one who is greater in us defeat him. Hallelujah. For greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. Praise the Lord forevermore. Praise his name. Praise his name. Father, bless. Minister to your children everywhere. Meet the needs that they have. Oh, God, with every day and every situation, there are new needs that we're simply depending upon you to supply. And you will. For you promised you would. For my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. By Christ Jesus. Do it, I pray, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Wonderful Savior. Wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. I want us to spend some time in prayer before we go home tonight. Stand and sing, I'll live for him who died for me. 
How happy then my life will be. Relationship like this just doesn't happen by an hour or so once a week. But what we're talking about today is something that grows out of a relationship that's cultivated every day with him. Hallelujah. That's when there's the joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is the thing that bothered me so much. As a young person, I heard such loud and strong phrases while I was in church, talked about abundant life and joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then I watched Christians live after church was over and but I haven't met a Christian like that yet. You know, that was really filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I wondered, was it real? Was there anything to it beyond the benediction? But it is. It's real and it's true. And Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. And we can be that kind of Christian. I believe it. We can be that kind of Christian. But it'll take cultivating our relationship with God. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. God's gift to us. God's provision for us. And oh, I, I know that we need to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Have you asked him? How much more will he give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? That's all that, that there's a requirement of. Ask him. Sing this chorus. For as many as can stay, let's spend some time in prayer before we go tonight. I'll live for him who died for me. How happy then my shall be I'll live for him who died for me my Savior and my God I'll live for him who died for me how happy then my life shall be I'll live for him who died for me my Savior and my God Hallelujah If I could just talk to you one more moment before you start to pray the only thing, the only mistake Brother Kalina made tonight was not singing the third verse of number 465. That's the most important verse out of there. Let me read it. It says, Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I own him. Gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Hallelujah. That's the key to the whole thing. 
once we've learned what we needed to know about Calvary, that Jesus gave his all for us, now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Praise God. We really died on Calvary. That's where it was. We died. I am crucified with Christ. Let him live all of your life. Hallelujah.